0: it's time for another community table which for the foreseeable future we plan to use as the 405 Dining States news hub keep you up to date with what's going on on in our local restaurants during the pandemic today we're talking to some folks with restaurants inspired by the old country we've got Clayton Farhood and Stephen Bradley of news Mediterranean cafe and they're gonna to talk to us about what's working for them as restaurant owners they they're kind of in a rare space where they have found a little bit of success during the pandemic and we're going to talk to Chef uh, Shelby Sieg of Lua Mediterranean down in the Plaza District, and she's going to talk to us about trying to open a new place in the pan- during a pandemic, and also what it's like to try and rebrand uh, during this time. And that's that's for today, June 24, on Community Table. So, guys, welcome. Glad to have you today.
1: Thank you. Thanks thank for you. Thank us. you. Thank you. How are
0: you guys doing? Go, Yo, you know, th- th- that's a, a better question for you guys, I think, Clayton. I mean, you—it's—it's—it's it's, it's tough going out there right now, isn't it?
2: A little it, it, bit. You have to. You have to work for the money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, the one thing that uh, I, I was excited about to have you guys on uh, together is because you you are both doing well. You're you're both doing a menu that sort of revolves around pita bread in in a weird kind of way. It kind of comes out of the same place. You know, uh, you guys at Nunu's. I, I you're what I call Leblahoman food. You know, sort of like <laughs> like our <laughs> assimilated. Leblah- Leb- oh, food. We call it Oklahoma. 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 (laughs) Oklahoma. So, so Clayton, tell us a little bit about, you know, like where your food comes from, like the direction, like what what inspires it?
2: Well, these are all, you know, home recipes that my grandmother immigrated from in the 1920s. She brought all the recipes with her, Mm -hmm. obviously. Um, And we've stuck true to that. Yeah. You know, when, before my, before my grandmother passed away, we made her sit down and write down all the recipes and, yeah. you know, I think our menu is an homage to her Yeah. and her, yeah. you know, traditional Lebanese cooking. And it was traditional. It's not uh, Americanized. It's the, yeah, you know, traditional. it's
0: the real deal. It's the real deal as far as it can be, because what happens is we know is like, when you move, if you move from Lebanon to the U S in 1920, you may not be able to get everything that you had in Lebanon. So Absolutely. over time, you have to sort of evolve how you approach things, and then that's how you end up with food like, like we have, you know, around a, a yeah, lot of
3: people. So, you know,
2: we consider our menu comfort food and, you know, yeah. craveable items. For, you know, we don't own a can opener, fresh ingredients, you know, all, all that
0: stuff. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And now but Shelby you – know, right. oh. Yeah, go ahead. ahead. Yeah. No, i no, uh, I was going to say, Shelby's kind of coming at it from a different place. Uh, they okay. converted the Pritchard, uh, which was sort of, uh, you know, just, I was I wouldn't call it fine dining. It was, it was a really cool wine bar with a great tapas menu. Well, now it's sort of converted into going into a much more Mediterranean, uh, direction. Shelby, tell us a little bit about, uh, about your thoughts about developing the menu for Lua.
3: Well, we just wanted to, um, rebrand from the Pritchard to do something that maybe fit into the plaza a little bit more organically and was a little bit more casual. Um, I think, you know, the Pritchard tended to be a little bit more formal than we necessarily intended it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Mediterranean was definitely Amy's idea on, on where to go from the Pritchard and, you know, it really kind of falls in with a philosophy and a style of cooking that, um, I just naturally gravitate toward anyway. Um, you know, simple, amazing ingredients that you don't have to do a lot to or manipulate a lot and um, cover a lot of things up. There's certainly not a lot of uh, in the way of, of garnishes and things like that. And so it's something that's very familiar to me. And I spend a lot of time traveling in and around the whole region. And we also wanted to, to to approach it from a side of it's not just Greek food. Um, <laughs> and kind of go beyond because there is a lot of um, you know, misconception for a lot of people that I think that you talk about Mediterranean food and they automatically go to Greek food. Yeah.
0: yeah, that, yeah that's that's a fair point. And well, like for instance, yesterday I was at New News yesterday and and Clayton, tell me tell us about the the, the dish that you made. Was it was it mula, mula, what was the it's, it's called Kusa. Kusa. You know, what that we're trying to do is, Yeah.
2: you know, there's a there's hundred recipes that we have never even put on the menu for my grandmother, so we're trying to kind of integrate those into the menu permanently and the specials. Yeah. Um, last night we did, you know, my favorite as a kid, and, you know, our family favorite at at, uh, at holidays is a stuffed squash. So we stuffed right. squash with um, meat and rice that's been seasoned with a little bit of clarified butter, some cinnamon, salt, and pepper. Mm-hmm. stuff the squash after it's been cored out and then cook it in a savory tomato sauce and you know sliced it it. it's just something that we've been wanting to do for a long time and figuring out how to uh execute it yeah but, you yeah, know I sure. think yeah. We've, every year we try to put two or three new menu items on the menu just just to kind of keep it fresh um yeah. But yeah, we have we have so many recipes that we can start running again, and you know we've kind of gone away from our specials during COVID because sure, it was hard sure. to get the specials on Postmates and get it on all the tablets. Right, uh, right, right, right. So
0: yeah. yeah, and I love that you guys come from that that very familiar home. Well, familiar in the Lebanese community, but but it's like educational for the non-Lebanese community, and really exciting. I love that part of. It. And you guys guys are affiliated with St. Elijah. There's a lot of this. Talk a little bit about sort of the connection to St. Elijah.
2: Yeah. You know, we go to St. Elijah's Orthodox Christian Church and they do, you know, a famous bake sale all the way since they were on. We were on 23rd Street. I think it was 23rd. (laughs) Um, And it's a two day bake sale. That's all Lebanese food. A huge pantry with a bakery. And a lot of the foods they serve are recipes, you know, just because there were so many people that immigrated from Lebanon in the twenties and thirties, and they all came from the same village called Marjayun. So everyone cooks the same, mostly Mm -hmm. um, speaks the same dialect of Arabic, goes to the same church. And it's neat to have a community with 300 families that everyone's an aunt and uncle (laughs) (laughs) and everyone's, and everyone's a cousin. And, you know, so it's nice to have that.
0: I love that. And so one thing that I think is really cool is you guys are sort of, you know, bearing the responsibility of carrying forward past culture, you know, making it fresh and new, making it valid. And then on the other hand you got Shelby who I I told you this, she 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 had the bright idea of taking Pita dough and dropping it in a deep fryer. You know? Shelby, take t- it sounds, del- sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah. Shelby, talk to us about the Chalupa. Come on.
3: Well, it is in no way trying to be anything remotely close to traditional. Um Exactly. That's it why It's love. Yeah, good <laughs> It's just a little fusion, you know. No, I just um, you know, was talking to Amy, my business partners, Amy Apatone and Riley Marshall. Um one day when we were going through menu tastings and things, and we were talking about kind of adding one more wrap, because we have some, some good shawarma wraps, mm-hmm. um, or something maybe a little bit more geared toward late night, and um, I had already made these lamb meatballs with this mint pesto, and there's a feta cream on it. It was going to be a small plate, and so kind of just going back and forth, of like, okay, maybe I can convert that from a small plate into a wrap to make it feel a little bit less formal and still have those ingredients in it. Um, and that was just in the kitchen one day and, and thinking, okay, I think if I can try to fry this instead of, you know, flat top or anything like that and put it in the shape of like a taco, essentially, I mean, it came out looking like a chalupa from Taco Bell. Um,
2: <laughs> right, right. hopefully <laughs> tastes a little bit better
3: than that. Um, but so yeah, I brought that out for them to taste. So it's, um. The fried dough that's freshly done, um, and then some lettuce, some um, cherry tomatoes, the lamb meatballs, feta cream, and mint pesto. And I brought that out to them, and and Riley, of course, um, ultra creative, was like, "We should call it the t- t- um, <laughs> just to kind of play on that a little bit." And it's been a big hit. Everybody's really liked it.
0: It's ridiculously good. I, I'm sorry, <laughs> But yeah, uh, so tell us a little bit more. That's one of the items. Tell us, take us through the a little bit more,
3: Shabby. Well, we have um, several options for shawarma wraps, and we've made them into bowls as well for something maybe a little bit lighter. Um, and so there's beef, um, chicken, and cauliflower that we we season kind of Love all in that that same style. My- yeah, that's one of my favorites because it's really something where you just really don't miss the meat at yeah, all really- um, in the bowl or the wrap, either one. Yeah. And then um, we have a few small plates as well, kind of um, playing to that Pritchard vibe a little bit. We've done it in a a much more casual way. Um, Some roasted carrots with like a a lebna and some Calabrian chili oil. That's one of the small plates. Um, Some fried broccolini that's just like flash fried with red chili flake and lemon zest, um, things like that. But we also have just super casual stuff. I mean, we have the Pritchard burger which is back which um yes. was one thing people begged us to not take off the menu.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So that's um white cheddar and a bacon tomato jam um and our Pritchard pickles are back for that. But we're serving those with um zatar fries. So those just, you know, fries we've tossed in um zatar that we're getting from Savory Spice <laughs> and yeah. uh, serve it with a garlic sauce that is meant to go with the shawarma. So there's there's some really cool casual options um, We're serving kind of some of the stuff in disposables and on what look like really cool lunch trays that are bright colors and stuff like that. So it's definitely a casual vibe. Um, We're selling wrap snacks behind the bar, which you haven't seen. They're just basically, I mean, they're like bags of chips that feature wrappers on the front um, and have just different flavors and things like that. You've got like Lil Yachty's um, hot cheese fries, things like that. We're donating the proceeds from those to the Black Justice League. Nice. So we're just trying to be casual and fun in the plaza and also have just like really, really dialed in flavorful food.
0: Oh, mission accomplished so far. And I know Clayton approves of those zatar fries because <laughs> um, he's got some in his place that I just had yesterday that nice. are right there. That would be a heck of a, a face off. It's a tar fry showdown because nice. I, and I would that. be happy to be the judge anytime you guys
3: are
0: ready. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, okay. Let's one of the main things we're, we're trying to do here on community table right now is let's get right down to it uh, as far as how restaurants are operating right now and what they're up against. Now, Shelby, you, you are in a unique position where you were working with live grass while they, when they tried to, to open uh, and when it was, when it was scheduled to open, then you left there and, and, and returned uh, to the Pritchard group and, and now with Lua and you've, rebranded and open during, during this thing, take us through the challenges. I mean, how has this been? How have you done this?
3: I mean, it's incredibly stressful. Just on any given day, opening a restaurant is um, you have to be a particular brand of crazy to think that it's fun. Um, and I have done that a lot in my career of opening restaurants. So um, I'm, you know, I'm, I know what the challenges are and the pitfalls and things like that. But doing it during a a pandemic is is just something that there's no script for, and it's really crazy because you get a plan and you think, okay, we're going to set this date and we're going to get open, and then literally the next morning you could have this news of something spiked or this happened or now we're shut down or whatever that is, and so then you have to just completely change your plan, and and especially with Live Grass, it was kind of one of those days where we'd make a plan and twelve hours later we had to just completely reformulate everything um, because those were early days when, when nobody really knew what was going on. Um, so trying to figure that out. And then also, um, you know, once you have that date and go, it's like, well, we've got to go full force because if we're going to get open by that date, we've got to do it. So it's just trying to do all that with also that kind of trepidation of what happens if we get all this going and we hire all these people and then we just can't do it. Um, you want to be really responsible and um, socially distance everyone and encourage everybody to do a lot of takeout. And um, you know, we want the numbers to not be spiking. We want to be responsible just as um, as citizens. And then there's the other part that you have to really be careful about because it's like, but as a business owner, you need your business to be viable and to survive and to be able to pay the people that you've hired. And um, we feel a responsibility to keep people on staff and keep people on payroll. Um, so, you know, it's a lot of balance that's really, really crazy, um, and really unpredictable. And it's the first time in my career I've ever come up against something and I'm sure everyone else too, but ever come up against something that I just don't have any resources to ask anyone. There's nobody knows what's happening. So you can't say, okay, well, I've got this friend that went through this and I can ask him as an operator what to do. Nobody knows.
0: Right, right. That is, that's, that is, that makes this situation truly unique they're really it's, it is truly unprecedented uh for, for our times now Clayton you guys have had some success now uh, I know that some of that began you, you kind of you were doing some things before the pandemic started right but uh yeah you guys had already made some some changes to how you did your to go and so forth talk talk about that
2: yeah, you know, we started about a year ago and we decided that, you know, the four main platforms we were going to be on, Postmates, Grubhub, DoorDash, and Uber Eats. And, you know, this time last year, it was a pretty booming business. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we did our delivery in tamper-resistant bags, yeah. um, and safety sealed, tamper resistant bags.
3: and just doing really that did ahead of time.
2: You absolutely. absolutely. A- we did it a year a year ago it seemed like a good idea. Today it seems like a great idea <laughs> because we had our customers conditioned to receive, yeah. you know, tamper-resistant food. Yeah. So that already helped when we did, you know, have to change our business model. And, you know, I call it marketing the model. Yeah. Our, during these times, the, the model could change daily, like Shelby said. Yeah. And you just have to adjust to it. And, you know, when they did close the dining rooms, I mean, that was – we changed our model. We had a sign outside the next day, um, really promoted on Facebook, um, one of our most successful ones was the ads in the daily Oklahoma. And I told you yesterday that we took that wasn't a coincidence that every day they came out for six weeks, we were had our busiest night of the week. Yeah. So, you know, that that was big for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I mean, promoting on Facebook is a great yeah. way to, uh,
0: get, well, get took, your word across. Talk a little bit about now. a lot of people that I've been talking to have had not embraced third party delivery. Okay. it's They're having to now do what you did a year ago, and which I'm sure you can relate to how difficult that probably was a year ago when you made that choice, having to kind of figure out how to work with these guys. Can you talk through a little bit of how, how you managed to do that?
1: On the third-party delivery, what we looked at it as when we first saw it and they first approached us, it was early in the city for delivery. The platform mm-hmm. patent really reached Oklahoma City. So right. we used that opportunity to be one of the first Mediterranean restaurants on a lot of the platforms and took advantage of these are all small, you know, there were, there were small pools. So we didn't okay. have to, you know, it gave us the ability to kind of negotiate the fee gotcha.
2: because gotcha. paying
1: out 20% off the top is that's a lot yeah. for a restaurant. So yeah. we got in early and we were able to negotiate that down mm-hmm. and having it across four different platforms every time a platform came to the city and said, yes, we want to do this. We say, well, you know, we, we already have this deal with Postmates.
2: Yeah. You
1: can either beat it or meet it. If you want us to be on your platform.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: when a new company comes to town, they're very willing to beat or meet
0: yeah.
1: the pricing on the other platforms. So it worked out great for us getting in, not giving up a huge percentage to the yeah. platforms, but then also like Clay said, going above and beyond with the safety seal bags, Yes. you know you see yeah, that temperature one, checks. yeah i mean we go like you know yeah like i said we do the temperature checks and we wear temperatures on our wrists every morning you know so it's all of that i think back building and customers seeing okay i get the same service when i'm in the restaurant when i do when i order postmate when i do pick up or curbside you you got to blast them with every option well, you
2: have and and something we learned about is when they open the dining rooms we still were doing the to-go and delivery. Sure. Of um, course. We just think that people are still apprehensive about going to sit down in a restaurant and eat. We mm-hmm. see that once we opened our dining room, that really the split between dining room and delivery to-go was about the same as it was before Corona. Yeah. So you know. Yeah, and that, the that's not all bad, right? Deal for us.
0: It's not to all us? bad. It's not all bad, right? Right now, for people to be apprehensive, we kind of need people to be apprehensive about going out. Uh, we, we don't need oh, yeah. them to stop going out altogether, but it's it's probably better for you guys since we're all at sort of limited capacity right now. I think ideally everybody would be doing to go and, and selling the, and doing numbers like they did, you know, with to go, but that's not feasible. Well, what's funny is when our,
2: yeah. when our dining room was closed, our, you know, our delivery and carryout kind of kept us alive and you yeah. Know, yeah. heavily. And, you know, you talk about the goodness of people, You know, we have our group of regulars that we just love. They've been coming here for 10 years. I can't tell you once the dining rooms were closed, how many customers came in and bought gift cards to use in the future just to help our cash flow. And that to me is uh, that to me is something very, very special when you can connect like that. But we
1: also approached it as like, we're the captains of this ship. So if we're not willing to be here open to close six days a week, and let our customers see that, you know, we're we're here fighting to stay open. I think that that says a lot and resonates with your customers. They see you have a drive to succeed and they're more willing to put their business behind that and support you. And they, I mean, I would. Those are the kind of restaurants I go to.
2: Well, and if if we ever go back to closing of dining rooms, I I'd scream off a rooftop about the Daily Oklahoma ads and doing those, you know. I appreciate. I I, can't. I I can't say enough of it. And it was twenty five dollars a week. Yeah,
0: (laughs) that's that's super nice. You know, what? you mentioned something. I'd like you to go into a little more detail about it. You mentioned that you guys take your temperatures every day and you have them on your wrist. Kind of, and Shelby, I'm going to have you do the same thing uh, when when they talk after they've talked about it. Talk through how you guys handle staff because that's a thing that's really important for people to understand. You you guys are working and you have people working for you, and that puts you more at risk. Than, than the people who are coming in. So talk about you know the the the, the, the how you take care of each other. Well, what we're doing, in, you know, internally, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, we
2: had um, a gentleman in the kitchen who had you know a high temperature. We didn't let him in the building. We sent had someone drive him home. Um, he didn't want a COVID test, mm-hmm. and we told him if you're not going to take the COVID test, you need to isolate for 14 days. Which you know 14 days, he was back, temp fine. Um, we had another young lady in the kitchen two days ago where her husband contacted was positive and she's on a 14 day quarantine. Yeah, um, We're just not going to bring that into the restaurant. Right. And, you know, I think we talked about yesterday that some people are telling us we're over sanitizing right. you just can't over sanitize enough. I mean, yeah. like Steven said, putting green bracelets with our body temperature on it, I think is just another level of, making someone feel comfortable. Like I know every single person in this building has a normal temperature. Yeah.
1: But it's so on the on the side of like having employees that have been exposed, we know that through that shift or before you start your shift, you're not, you're temping at a regular temp, you know, and we kind of copycatted that off one of our customers, which is the spine hospital.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Before Good place
1: to yeah yeah they were taking yeah. your temp and cause when i go deliver catering there i'm like okay this is brilliant we need to do this at the restaurant yeah. so it gives us the ability also for everyone in the restaurant to have a record to say yeah. for the last 14 days my temp has been normal it's yeah. on that 15th day you have a temperature you know that's the day
2: right to start
1: right. your
2: presentation well to, a, you know and about sanitation you know I was telling you yesterday about doing the table bases and mm-hmm. someone had said, I think you guys over sanitize. And I looked at him and I said, there is no possible way you can over sanitize. No. So a lot of it, you know, we do everything we're supposed to, but a lot of it is what the customers are looking at. Yeah. You know, the customers, I think saw me last night doing table bases and doing the chairs, uh, the backings of the chairs. We're just on a consistent wipe down every sur- uh, every surface, just Oh, uh, you still there? Yeah, we're here. Okay, yeah, my screen came off. Yeah.
0: Anyway, so that's that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, that's the, okay. So Shelby, take us through what you guys are doing at Lua and at uh, Iguana.
3: Um, we had been doing temperature checks pretty early on as well. Um, so contactless um, thermometers. We have a log um, every day. We come in the building um, right by the back door. First thing they do, take their temperature, write down what that temp was on our log. So it's trackable, um, you know, management verifies and does all that. Um, as far as sanitizing, we made the decision pretty early on. Um, as soon as we could get a hold of the sanitizing wipes to use those rather than um, any of the commercial sanitizer um, that we would normally use to sanitize a table, you know, one use and you kind of toss it in the trash, that that kind of thing. Um, and then also just a really open line of communication with any of our staff. We have a very clear policy for both of our restaurants. Um, that, you know, I'm to be communicated with. If, if anything happens, if anyone in your life that you spend time with has been, you know, um, testing positive, um, that kind of thing. So everybody knows exactly who to call. Um, I, you know, I hear about it right away. We go through, um, a possible exposure list. Um, we would go through, you know, how often they've been at the restaurants, what days, you know, how long, and if the, if the six, Feet, fifteen-minute rule, and that kind of thing. So um, we have a very clear policy written um, yeah. for our restaurant group. For both, that's,
2: aw- that's awesome. That is awesome.
3: We did that kind of um, right off the bat. Um, well, and it, it was ever changing until now. I feel like we're in a place where we don't have to necessarily adjust it anymore. Um, but you know, there was just not enough information right. in the beginning. And so really, there's, there's not, yeah
2: I, I, was just, I think the scary thing for all of us is the unknown. I don't sure. know what next week might look like in my dining room. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if in three months with a spike, they're going to do another dining room closure. So I think you have to have contingency plans for every single that's, thing they could throw at.
0: That's okay. exactly right. Contingency plans are the new black. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, real, they really are. I mean, that's, if you don't have a contingency plan for <laughs> for like 10 of them and you're just you're not working hard enough at this for point.
2: sure i agree a hundred percent
0: so uh now now clayton and stephen when i was in yesterday uh i was having lunch beautiful time dining room really well socially distanced uh gentleman walks in uh very well dressed no mask stephen very politely advises the man that you know he needs to put on a mask the man very politely turns around and leaves um it was kind of a surreal moment. You know, I, you know, witnessed this thing happen. Talk to both of you. I, I mean, I know these things are not, you guys are in the hospitality business and it's no fun talking right. about like bad behavior of your customers, but we're in a play in a pandemic where we need to kind of talk about that thing, about these things and not trying to criticize people for, for, or judge people is what I'm trying to say. But it, just to discuss how this affects your business. I mean, how this affects your day, because this, it's gotta be just, just, so dispiriting to have that kind of behavior talk uh uh, clayton you go first tell me a little bit about kind of how you guys have been handling that sort of thing
2: well it's it's very disparaging and you know we're finding that the hardest demographic to comply with the mask are senior citizens i think I, i mentioned that yeah um which is to me to me is crazy i would think they'd be the you know the very first to get masked up and be careful but it's not yeah um We've had a few incidents where people didn't want to wear masks. Um, a couple of days ago, some guy said, you're going to give me my to-go order and I'm not wearing a mask. And we asked him politely to go to his car. We even had a mat, we have masks up front that if someone doesn't have one, we give them a fresh three-ply respirator. Sometimes they don't even want that. And we have told tell them that it's, you know, this is how it is. And this is the, the yeah. way the, the, the mandate works and they, a lot of people would rather leave and go find somewhere else where they don't require masks.
0: Yeah.
2: And I, you know, I, I think it's crazy, but you know, I was, Shelby was talking about the, the wipes, Mm -hmm. you know, we've been using for our sanitation is Lysol. And I think seeing it for a customer, seeing a brand name of a disinfectant, I think really helped us out. Someone said, I can't believe you guys Lysol every surface. Yeah. Um, So you know, having a name brand sanitizer is 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 pretty nice, and they get to see what we're doing. And you know, the you never like you just said, you never want to have to have a confrontation with a customer ever. Right. Um, And and we're not, you know, we're not in the business of doing that. But we we are in the business of following mandates. Right. Um, and and trying to do it as gingerly as possible. But you know, we've had a couple hiccups where people just wanted to leave. A couple of pickups where people or where people stayed and ate and just were mad the whole time. So you know you're going to have that percentage of people, but I would think by now people would know that they have to wear a mask in a public
0: place. Well, it hasn't
2: been like it hasn't been a secret. I don't think. No, it
0: hasn't. It's sad that we still have to. I'm I'm sorry for you guys that you have to police it still because it puts you in an awkward position uh, having people. You know especially people that you're, 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 you're asking people to come in sit down be comfortable and then you're going to be hospitable towards them. But first I'm going to tell you, you got to put on, I mean, it's, it's just awful. Well, you're, you're, you're
2: exactly right. You're dictating to the customer yeah. what they have to do before they even order a drink.
0: Right. Right.
2: Gosh. So, I mean, no one wants, no one wants to do that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Shelby, how about you guys? Have you, have you guys uh, faced a lot? Now you guys have just opened, so maybe you, uh, you, you faced a little less.
3: Um, we have just opened at Lua, mm-hmm. but at Iguana, um, have been open yeah. most, uh, most of the time when restaurant or when, um, dining rooms were able to reopen, we made the decision to go ahead and do it, um, while only seeing, you know, 50%. Yeah. Um, we actually, for our staff never stopped with masks, even, yeah. um, you know, that became another mandate for staff at some point, but mm-hmm. for a while, um, they weren't requiring it and I wasn't comfortable with it. If I'm asking my staff to be there and work, um, I want to try to keep them as protected as possible. So the staff never stopped wearing masks at all. Um, and then as far as any guests, we really haven't had, um, a problem yet at either restaurant. Um, I, I don't think we've had anyone at either restaurant so far that um, been resistant to it. Good. But it's also just kind of one of those things of trying to gently remind people um, who don't have bad intentions, but who, who just aren't used to it. You know, when they get up to go to the bathroom and those mm-hmm. kinds of things, we really, if we're really trying to comply with the city ordinance as best as possible, you know, up and walking around the restaurant, going to the bathroom, those kinds of things, we're really trying to kind of remind people to keep their masks on um, for their safety. And also, as I said, for my staff, I just don't want anyone that works at either restaurant to feel like we're not doing enough to protect them. That's
2: that's And and Shelby, the thing that we're, the thing that we're dealing with is the um, customers that want to get, you know, what, what I wanted to tell the gentleman yesterday, if you want to go to another restaurant, you're probably not going to be able to without a mask. Right. And, you know, like you said, we've been masking and gloving for a really, really long time. And, you know, hopefully that's helped. And, you know, we're just, like I said, we're in a world of over sanitizing, which
0: is a, which is a good thing. Is there, this is for both of you. Is there anything that diners can do beyond wearing a mask? Obviously wear a mask and be, be, I mean, be mature about it. You know, that is the obvious thing. Is there anything else that, that diners need to know about, about what you guys are going through right now that could be helpful?
3: I just think, um, everybody just having a little bit of grace. Um, I think, you know, to some extent, and, and it hasn't happened with either one of my restaurants, but I have seen it with others. Mm-hmm. Um, but to some extent, everybody's kind of quick on this trigger finger to start calling people out. if they're, yeah. like, they're not doing X, Y, Z. So they don't care. They're not being responsible, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and maybe, you know, there are people that aren't being responsible. I don't know. I think in general, the restaurant operators that I know have the best of intentions and are just trying to do the best that they know how and um, understand that it's a really really difficult position to be in to try to keep a business running and try to keep people employed while also trying to be responsible and the rules are changing every day Um, and so kind of having a little bit of grace for that and understanding that if a mistake is made it's not because we don't care and it's not because we don't want to um, protect everybody it's just sometimes like this is just a really difficult um, kind of area to navigate for everyone.
0: I like that. I just have some grace. All right. Oh, Clayton, are you back? You're on mute. I don't know. <laughs> Clayton, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. So any, anything All that right. uh, that diners can do to, to make your life a little bit easier besides spending lots and lots of money with you? Well, I, like Shelby said,
2: I think that, um, what we've had to police a little bit more is a couple things. Um, when they do get up for a drink or, or a restroom break that they need to put that mask back on. And that's kind of been drilled in our head by the health department. Yep. And a lot of people don't want to do that. Yep. And a lot of people want to go fill their, their cup when they can't do that. We have big signs that say, if you want to refill, please ask for a new cup. Yep. And sometimes that just gets ignored. So you, you kind of hope that your guests are following the policies and procedures that you put in place because we've worked, all of us have worked hard on them to make it a safe environment for our staff, our employees, and our families
0: at home. Yeah, well, and, and we appreciate that. I, 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 that's that's the biggest thing. You guys are putting it. I, the restaurant world has always been very supportive, but it's weirdly in, a, in almost an emergency mode right now because we actually need restaurants to operate. The grocery stores, we do. The, the, as was proven early on in spring, the, the grocery stores get overrun, product runs low, supply lines get hit. With restaurants running, it helps our economy flow better. Even if it's slower, it's better that it's moving somewhat. So we appreciate you guys honestly putting your health on the line, you and your staff putting your health on the line so that we can eat. And uh, it's, it's important that people understand that. So let's finish on a note back on food. So, uh, Clayton, anything, uh, anything going on food-wise at, uh, at new news that folks need to know about other than uh, the special we talked about earlier? Yeah, we're, we're going to be putting that stuffed squash
2: on the menu permanently. Ah. Um, we still promote our zafter fries. We think they're really good and a good presentation. Um, yeah. We're actually going to add to the menu a stuffed eggplant, which is going to be an eggplant that's um, kind of sautéed in butter and then stuffed with hachwa meat, nice. which is our black Angus beef that's poached in clarified butter, and a yeah. little bit of tomato sauce on the bed of rice. The name of it al which means in Arabic, food of the king. <laughs> so it's what, you, it's what you serve at Christmas and what you serve when a dignitary comes over. Um, it's my dad's favorite dish. Yeah. Uh, wow. So that's going to be going on the menu too. And then we're going to start running week, new weekly specials that we're still working on right now. But we've got a lot of stuff going on in the next month or
0: two. Awesome. Like, appreciate it. So Shelby, you guys are up and running over at Lua. Um, any changes that we need to know about yet because I know you guys were, you're just getting open anything involved yet so far.
3: Um, I, I have seen a couple of kind of areas that I want to add some things to the menu. I also just wanted to make sure you know with the kitchen and, and that kind of thing opening up with a new menu everything could kind of be done consistently the way that it was intended before I started expanding the menu. So we won't expand too much, but um, I think I'm going to add another fish option aside from the scallops. And um, I believe we might have some of my ice cream on the horizon. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So that that is a thing that we are working on and <laughs> trying to get um, fully fleshed out before I go ahead and put it on the menu. But ice cream is a thing that I have done <laughs> for a very long time, and I have such a passion for. And um, if I can just have at least one one or two flavors to be able to put on their dessert menu, I buttons, can't. I can't
2: wait to eat at your restaurant. Oh, thank <laughs> oh, it's you. So good.
0: And anything in iguana? Wait. Any what's anything uh, we need to know going on at iguana, Shelby?
3: Yeah, I'm going to be revamping tacos uh, a lot at Iguana in the next um, about two weeks. We're going to have some new um, tacos on the menu completely um, to kind of change that menu up a little bit. And next Tuesday, um, we will be bringing back Taco Tuesday. So Taco Tuesday do it is the most responsible way. <laughs>
0: um,
3: And for sure, you can get it for takeout, but we'll have a feature there of a new. Um, Potato so fried taco on Tuesday the twenty eighth. That will feature. Um, that might be added to the menu soon.
0: Awesome, nice. That's that all sounds great. You guys have given us plenty to look forward to, and I appreciate the insights on, on into the business side of this thing. And folks, uh, this it's a simple thing. We're in a pandemic. It's real simple. We got to support our restaurants, but we got to do it safely, and we got to do it clean. And with that in mind, thanks a lot to Clayton, Stephen, and Shelby for joining us. Right, thanks, guys. Dave, thanks, thanks, for, thanks for having
2: us.